Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Rachel Recklum of rachelrecklum.com. Rachel is an instructional designer and course strategist helping creatives and entrepreneurs turn their ideas into profitable, exciting courses. She's the founder of rachelrecklum.com and the Train, Thrive, Grow podcast. I'm so excited to chat with Rachel today all about market research for course creators. So let's dive right in. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here and I cannot wait to chat a little bit more about market research with you today. So before we dive into the episode, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I am an instructional designer by trade, I guess. And I work with creatives and solopreneurs and coaches and people who generally want to create online courses to create a good passive income component to their business. So I got started teaching, um, I guess my first sort of role in education was I actually taught English in Thailand after I graduated from college. And from there, I wanted to stay in Thailand, but I needed to get a real job. And I sort of stumbled into being an instructional designer in Bangkok, actually. Uh, And I eventually decided I was ready to come home, but I really loved instructional design. So when I came back, I went to grad school and started working as an instructional designer in the U.S., And I just found that I really loved working with creatives, Um, like all my clients who are, you know, they're maybe coaches or someone in the wedding industry, whoever it is, people are really excited and passionate about their work. And so it's a lot of fun to work with entrepreneurs. And yeah, that's how I got into having a business of my own. I really wanted to continue to grow that side of my work. That's really cool. Yeah. And like, that's not something that people... I mean, I don't see that very often in the online space, like people who are instructional designers or course, you know, designers and things like that. Cause it's like, that's kind of a new thing. Like online learning is not brand new, but it's becoming more and more, you know, uh, accepted these days, but it's not as common to see still as a career path. So that's really cool that you kind of, you know, took that into the online space and made it into your own business. Yeah, you know, I think there's there's a few of us out here who are doing it. I haven't seen a lot. Um, I, you know, a lot of people really focus on the launching side of uh, online course creation, but I think it's important to remember to think about your content too and really designing products that your audience needs. So that's kind of where I fit in. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I have seen a lot of people who are like, um, you know, learn how to launch a next product or things like that. But like the other elements of it are kind of overlooked. It's all about the launching process and not really the like idea validation and going through all that, like the pre-steps to creating a course. So I think that's really interesting and really needed in this space. Mm-hmm. So when you're creating a course or a product, so what are some of the first steps that we should take before we even begin to start creating that content for this product? I always tell people that there are really kind of three things that you should have in place before you get started creating an online course. So one kind of obvious, you want to have passion and expertise, right? Something you're excited about and that you know a lot about and that you're ready to share with people. The other two pieces are you want to have an audience 
who trusts you and loves your work and is like an ex, uh, is excited to be part of your community. And then you also want to know that audience. So you want to know who they are and really kind of what drives them, why are they interested in your topic, what their goals are. And the more you have interaction and relationships with that community of people, the better you know them, the more you're setting yourself up for successful course creation and successful and profitable launching. So those are kind of the three really foundational pieces that I think people need. Yeah, no, those are great. And I like how you weren't just like, you're like, you need that passion because that's really important. And it's like, you know, some people... I've seen they seem to be launching products or courses and things just because they want to make money and you know you need to actually care about what you're launching because it's going to show once you actually go through that process and you go and launch it and you like you can tell people are not into it and you know people are not going to really resonate with that person if they're not if they're not feeling that passion upon them. Yeah, no, that is, that's exactly it. And I guess a lot of people ask me things like, oh, do I have to have a certain number of followers or a certain number of people on my email list? And it's not necessarily about the numbers. Like you can have a huge following, but if people aren't here for what it is that you want to teach and they're not super engaged in what you're talking talking about that following isn't necessarily going to convert into sales. I have actually seen some new entrepreneurs have really successful launches with a very, what you might think of as a very small email list, but how they were able to succeed is they were creating a product that those people really needed and they had a strong relationship with those people. So when they released a product, their followers were excited about it. Yeah, I think that is so true. And a lot of people are like, I need, you need 10K on your list before you launch. And that's so not true. As long as your people are engaged and they're interested in what you're doing, then you're going to be successful no matter if you have like less than a thousand people on your list or you have 20,000 people on your list. It just means you need to be making the products that your audience actually cares about. And you know, you could release a product and experience crickets, but that's because your audience either doesn't need that offer at this time, doesn't need it at all, or your marketing and messaging was off at some point. So, Right, exactly. Another important thing to remember about launching too is that launching doesn't always mean one thing. I see another thing that a lot of new course creators feel a lot of pressure to do these really complicated launches because there's so much online about, you know, how to get this six-figure launch and all of that. And, you know, you're doing tripwires, and these elaborate funnels and and you do not have to have messenger bots the first time you launch (laughs) you know you can keep it simple and you can be successful that way too so that's maybe another piece of advice is that you don't have to have like your version of a successful launch can be something much simpler than what your version of a successful launch will be after you've done it three or four times and you have really built up that list so yeah, and I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. I, I did it at first as well because I was like, oh my gosh, I need these complicated Facebook ads and I don't even know how to set up Facebook ads. So now I have to hire this and you know, a funnel. I don't know how to do that very well. So I need to hire someone. And you know, you end up like spending all this money and then you launch and you know your audience wasn't even prepared for it yet, or you you know, there was something missing. So you spent all this money and you're like, for what? Like you bought like 10 people in your course and that doesn't even pay off your, what you invested. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just when you're with your first launch, personally, from experience, I recommend just emailing your list, posting about it on social media. Don't really spend too much monetary 
into it at first because you don't want to come out in the negative um, and you know your very first time because you don't need all of those things when you're first starting. You can start building your way up. So maybe with your second launch, after you've got X amount of people in your course with your second launch, then you can you know add in an ad strategy or add in a funnel. Just kind of slowly build up so you're not extremely overwhelming yourself to the point where you either launch and you spent all that money and then you didn't make it back, or you paralyze yourself with fear because there's so much going on that you don't even end up launching your course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is exactly right. And the other thing I always say to people is if you make your first iteration of your product simple and you get it out there and you do get those first 10 or 15 people in your course, getting the feedback and talking to those people who sign up for your course the first time around are going to make your product so much better. They're going to teach you how to market your product next time. They're going to teach you how to improve it. So you have just this really powerful learning tool. The sooner you get something out and you start getting that feedback, the better you're going to be in the long run. Of course. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think getting feedback from your first couple of members is really important because they're seeing your course or product or whatever it is, like basically once it's first released. So they can really see it with fresh eyes and see things that you might have missed or give you any feedback to things you can add that you forgot about or something like that. So I think that's really important. And then it also gives you, um, you know, potentially testimonials to share so you can grow the course or product even bigger and have a bigger launch and better launch next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that social proof is so important that can really help you going forward. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So what are some ways that we can kind of survey our audience beforehand to validate our product or course ideas? Okay, so when I work with people on validating a course idea, I always go through a process I call the social listening process for course creators. And basically there are four steps to this. So it always starts with paying attention. So this means like you're paying attention to what your audience is talking about online. You're keeping track of the questions that you get asked by your clients. Um, common areas that your clients struggle with. Basically what you're doing here is you're looking at your target audience and trying to find patterns in what they are looking at when it comes to whatever your topic is. So for me, I see a lot of people come to me and they want to know, well, I have a lot of ideas for my course, but I'm not sure how to narrow things down or maybe, you know, exactly what we're talking about, about right now. They're struggling with market research, whatever it is. So I just start like building a a spreadsheet or a Google Doc, something with just all of the questions I get asked. And if you're doing that and you start to see those patterns, then you can move into the next step, which is gathering data. So for this, I always recommend people do a really in-depth, uh, super informative, on-topic blog post. Or if you're not a blogger, this can be uh, you know, a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live or a podcast, some piece of really compelling free content that has a, an enticing freebie attached to it. So this is your first level of validation. You're putting out a piece of free content that is related to your topic. And if you get a strong response to that, if you know it gets a lot of traffic, if people seem to be really interested in it, if you're getting a lot of downloads on your freebie, whatever it is, that is your first clue that you are on track, that you're approaching your topic in a way that people would be interested in. Uh, and since you're doing this with a freebie, that gives you the opportunity to start collecting email addresses and then surveying people. 
And I do surveys in two different ways, and I think they both can be really helpful. I do reach out to people who uh, sign up for my freebie, especially people who, you know, when I do my welcome sequences for my email list, I always invite people to email me any questions they have, and I try to draw people into conversation when they first join my email list. And then people who respond to me or people who uh, direct message me on Facebook or Instagram, those tend to be really good people to survey because that's like an extra layer of proof that they're really interested in your content. Uh, but then I also do a lot of surveying through Insta story polls. And I actually have a whole course that I do about this, uh, how to do market research, and it has a lot of different question types that you can ask in Insta stories. But some of these are, uh, you can ask specific questions about like what kind of product people are interested in, um, you know, what types of courses they've done in the past, how they feel about your product. Um, and then after you gather that data, I also recommend that you go in some more depth. It's a really good idea to talk to a few survey respondents one-on-one -on -one, um, and really get that. Just You get a lot of qualitative feedback. You get a lot of... Uh, it's, it's a great way to get into your potential customer's head in a way. Uh, and so you can really learn like how they're feeling about your topic, what their pain points are, what they're looking to achieve, because that's really what we need to sell a course, right? We need to be able to create transformation for our audiences in some way. So we have to get a really good sense of what their before is and what they want their after to look like. And if you do all three of these things, right, you have that kind of You've got data from a bunch of people indicating they're interested in your course, and then you've got survey data, and then these interviews that can give you just really, really rich, in-depth feedback um, about what they want to learn when it comes to your topic. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, I use Instagram story polls, and then of course the new questions feature, which is even better because it's not just like mm -hmm. yes or no, you can actually ask like legit questions which have been really cool. And then I've also loved to hop on the phone with people. And that can be kind of hard for some people at first because they, they're like, I don't know what to ask and things like that. But honestly, I feel like I got the best responses from people who are willing to hop on a quick phone call with me because mm -hmm. they were more invested um, from the get-go because, you know, they they didn't just respond to something. They were like, yes, I will get on the phone call with you. And they committed to that. So, you know, just doing that, you know, you don't even need to do that many people, maybe three to five people. And just kind of seeing like what they're looking for from you, what kind of format they prefer when it comes to a course, either like, like a regular course or a membership community, things like that. And I think that really helps um, you not only validate your product idea, but just know that your community is interested in what you're having to say and do. And, you know, even hopping on this calls, people told me things like, Oh yeah, I really listen. I love your podcast. And I listen to it, or I've been following you for a long time. And those are things I probably wouldn't know because if we didn't hop on that call, call together. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and you know, even if you, I always tell people to not let this market research piece seem intimidating. It can be really simple. It can even be kind of fun. Just like don't let being intimidated by it stop you from doing it because. Even if you're most of the way there, your audience always has something to teach you. You're always going to get some like fun surprises and tidbits that you weren't expecting. Um, the fourth step, because I did say there was a, a step four to the social listening process. So this gets you up to the point where you're starting to create course materials. I also recommend people uh, do some further validation between this point and when they actually start to launch. Mm -hmm. So one way you can do this is after you have an outline for your course, 
you could get a couple trusted reviewers to look it over. Um, maybe someone that is like a, a business friend of yours who understands your business or past client who you have a good relationship with. Someone who can read over your outline and say, yes, this sounds good. I still have questions about this. I think you might be missing something here. Because again, changing an outline takes almost no time. And so if you can catch things that you miss at this stage, that can be really helpful. Um, a couple other ways you can get further validation. One is to have beta testers. Mm -hmm. um, if you are doing something that is going to be a bigger launch, so something like a signature product or any kind of high ticket course, I really love doing beta testers on it first because um, then you get, you get feedback on your full course and you can have some opportunity to refine and edit. Um, before you put a lot of money into a big launch. Mm -hmm. You are earlier than that in your business and you're just starting to put out products. You can also do what I talked a little bit about earlier, um, kind of a minimum viable product version of your course. And one model for this that I really love is to actually teach live the first time you offer a product. So if you have a strong email list, if you have a strong network of people in your community, you can launch your product and just maybe have it, um, like every lesson in your course will be a live session and then you can record it and then either go back and just sell the recordings or you can turn that into a, you can re-record it and kind of polish it up. But mm -hmm. that's another really good way to do it too because then your development time goes way down, you can launch right away and you again get that really good feedback on your product. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And then it takes off the pressure because you're not like, oh, I need to record all these different modules and videos and stuff and at that point you can just, you, you have that feedback from your whoever takes the course or you know enrolls in the membership or whatever it is they have that feedback and you have that feedback immediately from them as you're doing it so it's just not as i feel like it's not as much pressure because you aren't having to create 20 modules or 20 different videos you only have to do like one a week or whatever you end up doing it as so it's not as intimidating yes exactly so what if we um, oh, sorry. So what type of questions should we be asking when we're going and conducting that market research for our next product launch? Okay, so I break this down into a few categories of the kind of questions that I want people to be able to answer. So when you get finished with your market research, you want to have a really clear product, uh, sorry, losing my words here a little bit. You want a really clear product specific avatar. So as a business owner, you probably attract people who are in a range of stages with your content. When you're creating an online course, you're really directing all of that content as like one person who is at a particular stage. So one like general piece of advice is don't try to create one online course that'll suit your entire audience. So mm -hmm. you want to have that really clear product specific avatar. So one so I guess the main focus with your questions or one of the main focuses with your questions is figuring out who exactly that person is. Generally, I want people to be able to answer the question, why is your learner interested in your topic? How much experience does she have with your topic? What are her goals? What are her biggest challenges? How does she like to absorb content? And what types of products is she interested in? So when I'm asking these questions in my market research, they're all kind of directed at 
getting the answers to those questions. So one type of question I ask is a little bit of what we talked about earlier, questions that kind of get buy-in from people to have them participate in your market research process. So this can be like, will you be a beta tester? Do you want to get on the list? Can we chat? That type of thing. Then you want to ask questions about the types of products people are interested in. So you want to find out if people are interested in like membership sites or masterminds, if they want a quick and you know, easy to implement course, or if they're looking for a longer program that comes with a lot of mentorship and support. Um, you can ask questions related to your branding, right? Figure out the language that's going to appeal to your audience. They can help you vote on titles and taglines and things like that. Um, you also want to do questions about course content. And when you're doing course content questions, I always recommend getting into not just what topics do they want to hear about, but find out how they feel about those topics. What are they confident in? What do they feel like is intimidating or scary? Um, really understand that headspace again of where your audience is. Another category of questions are past purchases. Mm -hmm. uh, and these are really useful because it's people will say that they are interested in a lot of things, right? And then people will say that they will pay certain price points for products. But I have found that what people have actually done in the past can be really good evidence that they are actually going to purchase things again in the future. Um, if you ask a question like, what is the best online course you've taken? Or what are some programs you've done? Or like, what is the best investment you've made in your business? That gives you really valuable information on what like your audience is actually purchasing, if that makes sense. Um, a couple other categories like habits and preferences. So again, that goes into how your audience likes to get content and then demographics, right? Who are they? Where are they in their lives? Where do they live? What do they like to do? Things like that. Yeah, I think those are all really great questions. And I think it really helps you kind of narrow down who you're trying to target and what they prefer. And so that when you do actually end up launching it, you know, if you launch a membership and, you know, you didn't do those questions or ask any of the market research type things and they are, you know, more interested in the course or vice versa as a whole, then you may end up shooting yourself in the foot because you, you know, made this whole big Thing and your audience really was more into one over the other, but you didn't consider that. You just went with whatever you wanted to do. So I think that's really important. So what if we did all of the market research and kind of got all the validation we needed beforehand, but we still heard crickets when the product was launched? What, do you, what are some of the things you think might have gone wrong? Hmm. So this is a good question. And you know, it does, it does happen. Um, you know, the online marketplace is really crowded and unpredictable and there can be so many other things going on in the world and going on in people's lives that can affect our sales. Mm -hmm. um, I think a couple things that are important to remember is maybe going back to those, those first three foundational things. Um, you can kind of go back to that and really continue to build on your knowledge of your audience and growing your, growing your community. That can really help. But some specific things, you want to make sure, ask yourself if you really understood the language and pain points of your audience. Because people don't, you know, people might look at free content or be engaged with free content because they think it's kind of interesting, but they're going to pay for something because they feel like they need it. 
So I, I would maybe go back to that and, and make sure that you're really understanding, you know, what it is that's going to get someone to pull out their credit card and actually buy. Um, and like I said, again, investing some time into networking and building relationships does a couple things. Um, a lot of people, maybe the first time they launch, if they're new to the online space, they don't quite have that no like trust factor with people yet. And if you spend time talking to people, um, this can really help you get some initial sales. And you want to come, you want to do this from a general, uh, excuse me, sorry, a genuine place, right? You're not just DMing people a couple times and then you start blasting them with your links to get you to buy things. If you invest in people, <laughs> you learn a lot, you get a community. And so there's a lot of other benefits other than just sales. One thing I would also say that's really important is don't quit, right? Just because you heard kind of crickets the first time, you don't know how close you were, right? They're probably... You know, for all you know, there could have been people out there who were really thinking about it and you almost had it right. So don't throw everything away and don't, don't give up. Make sure you keep iterating. I think that's something really important to think about. We see a lot of uh, big success stories with online learning and even just in the, you know, world of business as a whole, you know, you see people when they're really far down the road and you don't know how many cycles of kind of struggle and failing and trying again that people went through to get there. Um, so I don't know, just, oh, a couple other things. Let me think here. Um, try niching down your offer. This can be something else that leads to that sort of crickets response, right? Um, if we are a new entrepreneur then we're and we're putting out a product that has pretty general appeal that's when you find yourself competing with a lot of the really big players in the online space and that can be really tough so if you're new and you're just starting out and you're teaching a course on something like pinterest strategies or instagram strategies well then you've got people who have been in business for a really long time and who have tons of social proof and you're kind of going to be competing with them but if you can really narrow your focus that can be helpful too. So if instead of doing something that is general Pinterest strategies, I decide that I'm going to do Pinterest strategies for health coaches. When, that, when someone who is a health coach sees my course, I'm going to get this bump in, yes, this is for me. This is exactly what I need. And I think this is getting more and more true. People are really looking for customization and something that is really tailored to them. So that would be another recommendation I have. So Make sure you're using the language and pain points of your audience. Try niching down and then try giving your course away to a couple people. If you didn't do beta testers the first time, um, give it away and see if you can get feedback from them if something's not working or maybe get some really good testimonials that'll help you sell the next time. Yeah, I totally agree with all of those. Um, one thing that I actually did when I had, like when I, have my last couple of launches for different products is, you know, I tracked who clicked on the links but didn't purchase. And I just sent a quick follow-up after the fact with a little survey, like may I ask for a quick favor, blah, 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 blah. And then like had people fill out like a couple questions or anything, it's like three questions. And that really helped me see. And I was like, wow, okay, it's not just me. I'm not like crazy. People actually were interested, but you know, there's time or money or things like that. Or, you know, and there was even one time where I launched when it seemed like every huge entrepreneur was launching that week. And I was like, well, I didn't know when they were going to launch. So this kind of sucks. But it's just one of those things. And it's not always you and it's not always your offer. There are definitely other factors that play into it. So, you know, if you do have a launch that isn't as great as you hoped or something like that, 
you know, just know that it's not always your fault. And, you know, although there are probably some tweaks you can make, it's not a hundred percent, you know. Yeah, though that that's such a good point point. Um, so many like external factors that you have no control over. I and mean, that's like the other things like maybe Black Friday is obvious, but if you are emailing your list a bunch of times to try to launch a product on Black Friday, you've got to remember that they're getting like a thousand emails a day from every store they've ever bought anything from. Yeah. If your audience is moms and you're trying to launch something around Labor Day, you're going to have a really tough time because they are, you know, in back to school mode and trying to get their kids ready for school and getting back into that groove of, you know, sending them off every day. Fourth of July is tough, you know, Memorial Day, holidays when people are all just not looking at their computer. That's all really important to think of too. And I loved what you said about following up with people who expressed interest but didn't actually buy. That is such a great point. And if you do anything like a pre-sale or a webinar, and not everyone on that list uh, buys from you, definitely send them an email and ask exactly that question. You can either send them a survey or just even ask like, oh, if you could let me know why you decided not to purchase that time. That's such a good idea. I love that. Yeah, it really helped me and it just helped me because I was feeling down and I was like, well, why Why is, aren't they buying? Is it the price? Is it the time of year? Like, what is it? And that just helped me because it was like, okay, it was none of the things were, I thought this was a dumb offer. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I would get anything like that, but none of it was like that. And so it was really great to know that it was like, okay, it's not me. It's not the actual offer. It's just X, Y, Z that is currently going on right now. Mm-hmm. So now let's dive into the three questions that I ask everyone that comes onto the show. So what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? Well, definitely my favorite part about it is I love, like I said before, I like how excited my clients and students are about their content. And I love being able to be a part of helping people get, get their vision out into the world and create uh, courses that are going to impact people's lives. So I love being a part of that. And for me, being an entrepreneur is just that idea of creating something that doesn't exist and, and putting yourself and your ideas out there and, um, so, you know, it's like a little bit of a, a scary thing. And, and, you know, when we are in school or in a corporate job, there's a lot of structure around us. And I think being an entrepreneur is breaking out of that structure a little bit and creating your own, um, which is exciting and, and fun and definitely appealing to me, which is why I'm uh, on this path that I've chosen. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, having that passion and like, when your clients or students achieve great things, it's just so, it's so good because it makes you feel good. Like, wow, I actually help them, you know, feel this way or actually help them achieve this. So it's a really cool feeling when you're an entrepreneur and you get to help people, not just, you know, you know, it's just a different feeling than being in the nine to five space because, you know, even though you might be helping people, it doesn't feel as great as it does when you have your own business and you're able to impact people that way. Yeah, there's something that's like more personal about it when it's you and your business. It's um... Yeah, exactly. Um, so what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? This can be pretty much anything, but just one of the things that you just know you could not live without at this time. 
Okay. So I had a really hard time choosing. I think I have two. One is quick though. And a lot of people have probably heard, but I love Acuity Scheduler. It saves me so much time and it's just a great way to automate anyone who has to make a lot of appointments. Acuity is great. The other one, I wanted to throw in something that is specific to online course creation. And that's the platform that I use to host my online courses. Um, And I've tried out, uh, I think most of the major ones. And my favorite is a one called Podia. And they offer a lot of really good value to people. They make it super easy to upload your content and like check out and billing and and email management is all built into the platform. So if you want to create an online course, I highly recommend Podia. It's just a way to make it super easy on yourself. Yeah, I've heard good things. I haven't tried it. I've tried quite a few myself, like Teachable and um i'm currently on kajabi um but it's a little expensive <laughs> um especially since i have two different niches and so i have mm-hmm. two different websites and you can't really change the url unless you pay for the middle plan which is like 300 something a month so yeah yeah and i kajabi is great kajabi offers tons of features podia does offer a lot of the similar value at a lower price point so that was kind of my thinking when i was choosing between the two so I might have to a lot look, of good options out there. I might have to look into it because I do, I, I do love Kajabi, but like I use something different for webinars. So I'm like paying for that webinar feature and I don't even use that because I use, you know, a different webinar thing. And then, you know, I use ConvertKit for email. So like I don't really use the email portion. <laughs> so basically mm-hmm. just using it not to its fullest um, and, you know, paying a lot more. So definitely look into other options. And then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? Just the person who you feel like is always killing it in their business and you're really inspired by it and things like that. So someone who's been really helpful to me as I've like built and grown my business over the past year is I'm in Haley Burkhead's Profit Planner Lounge. And Mm -hmm. that has just been awesome. She has a great community of really helpful women and some guys too, but mostly women. Uh, and so not only do we get a lot of resources and uh, tools for organizing our business and really like thinking like a CEO and thinking about being profitable, you also get this great community of people to bounce people's ideas on. So love her, love her podcast. It's a lot of fun. So highly recommend The Lounge. Yeah, Haley is great. I'm actually in The Lounge too. That's kind of how we connected for this recording. But yeah, it's really great. I'm also doing her passive profit. Um, group coaching program right now and that's really helpful too because I'm trying to turn my live launches evergreen which I was just live launching every time it was just a pain in the butt so I'm excited to see how to make everything evergreen and not have as much of a struggle there so yeah Haley's great go check out the lounge you guys if you haven't already and then where can we find you so your website your social handles all that good stuff So my website is rachelrecklam.com. So you can find me there. I am on Instagram at train, thrive, grow. And that is also the name of my podcast. Awesome. Well, I'll link everything in the show notes so everyone can go check that out. And yeah, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, of course. This is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all of the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode dash 66. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes Community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. 
Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.